Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. Our finance experts, Alex Cook, founder of Wealth With Purpose. Special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you. Especially in the studio. <laughs> yes, that's right. Normally we're uh, on an app and, uh, you know, you could be anywhere in the world, well, couldn't absolutely. you? And uh, and uh, still sound like you're with us in the studio. Today we are face-to-face, so what a Fantastic. real privilege that is. Absolutely. Hey, we want to talk a little about what's happening as you look towards retirement. So we've mm. tackled this a uh, time or mm. two and some things will need to go over again, but... You know, interest rates are rising. This is now we're into some of the things that I might say for listeners that you've been predicting for a little while. And things are getting tougher for a lot of families, for a lot of people who are in their middle years. Market volatility, the interest rates rising. Many are thinking about what's happening with my retirement. Mm. You count down the years. When you get past about 40, you start to think, oh, time (laughs) is starting to go by quickly. So thinking about retirement savings, wondering if I will have enough. Mm. It's one of those things lots of people are asking. Well, for now, it's probably the biggest fear I come across. You know, when we're talking to people one-on-one and having discussions around their finances, the biggest fear for many people, and as you say, people in their sort of 40s, 50s, um, is will I have enough? And it really hits, I find, in the mid-50s. When you look at the average age of someone who goes to visit a financial planner, I'd like to say it was 25, but in fact, it's actually about 55. <laughs> and so that's when it really hits home. And it's, it's a big issue because many Australians simply don't have enough to, to get them through. Uh, statistically, about 80% of the population ends up on the age pension when they hit 67, either a part or full pension. So put another way, the majority of people are not financially independent. That's probably how to look at it. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. That's just the statistical reality. And so that's why people, and and I think these days, because people realise that the government emphasis is that we'll take care of ourselves, and that's why we've got this superannuation system, which is very good, um, more and more people are thinking about it. It's become, uh, I guess, a topic of greater awareness, Um, but one that needs to be planned for like many things with finance, planned, um, not not complicated, but planned for properly so that we uh, think about it, you know, the right way and have enough. Well, this brings us to one of those things that we have grappled with before, uh, the Christian view mm. of retirement. Yeah. Uh, is this something that is compulsory for me? You know, it's going to be 65 or 67. I think uh, ages are even going up higher than that if you're in younger generations now. But uh, for some, it's like a rite of passage. Uh, Finally, I get the gold watch. They shake hands with me and they celebrate the fact that I've worked very hard all of my career. And now I'm on my way to pasture. Uh, But thoughts here about retirement and the Christian, because uh, there's a biblical view on retirement. There, there is. And look, this is an area what I find very problematic because obviously I deal with lots of uh, Christians in this space and I find that the thinking is still very secularized. You know, it's very much, you know, I get to retirement, I go on holiday, I buy the caravan. I And by the way, there's inherently nothing wrong with many of these things. But scripturally, there is no retirement in the Bible. But to me, the bigger issue is that once you become a believer, your goal in life is to run the race to the very end for Jesus in whatever he's calling you to do. Now, we all have different skills. You know, we've got a certain amount of time, certain amount of talent. 
But to me, you're called to steward those things until the very end. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean someone has to remain in paid employment until they're you know, 80 years of age. That's not what we're saying. But what it is saying, though, is I think every day that a believer gets up, they need to get up on purpose with a kingdom view as to what they're doing with their day. The fact that that may mean going off to a secular job is, is, is fine, but we need to have that clear purpose for it. And, and I think we need to really drop this sort of Western concept of the moment I get to you know, 65 or 67, I just hang up my boots and I go walking the beach. That's not, that's not a biblical model. Um, it's not to say, though, there's a practical reality. The practical reality is we all get old. Um, you know, ill health is one of the biggest causes of early retirement. So you do need to plan for it. I think there is uh, genuine, sensible reasons why you should plan financially for retirement. But I think as believers, we should be thinking, well, actually, what am I going to do in my latter years for Jesus, rather than thinking I'm just going to go on holiday? <laughs> and uh, and I think we, that's we need to rethink it. So the big question, of course, is how much is enough? Because you know, there'll be some who might be thinking, oh, here's the Christian finance guy on again. Uh, the, the Christian finance guy who says, hey, give it all away. And I know that's not uh, exactly where you say that everyone should be give it all away yeah. because actually when you're talking stewardship, you've got to be able to look out for those things that are coming uh, your own way as Absolutely. well as being able to balance how you get a generosity in your Christian faith mm. and uh, towards the uh, all the needs that are out there. Mm. So how much is enough? I'm imagining here it's probably going to be individual for everyone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, and I'll run through some averages and things like that just to give listeners a sense. Um, but I think I think you're right, though. In terms of the, the particular issue, we need to say to ourselves, um, what am I going to be doing and am I going to be earning money for a, for a longer period or am I going to actually start saying, well, actually, you know, I'm going to hang up my boots and go and do ministry-related activities. So what are we going to be doing in retirement? And that's going to affect, of course, how much you need. And so if we think about what some of the industry stats are, so for a couple, for a what they call a modest standard of living, uh, they estimate you need about 42000 Australian dollars to live. Uh, for a couple wanting to live more comfortably, they estimate around $65,000. Now, some of that may come from your own savings, so superannuation, et cetera, and some of it may, of course, come from, uh, you know, part Social Security and things like that. So they're the estimates. But as you say, it varies widely because I've got some people, depending on the, the lifestyle they've had during their working life, may want more. And I met some amazing people who've been in ministry, like pastors and missionaries who can managed to live on next to nothing, and it blows my mind that they're able to do that. So it is possible to, to live on less. But keep in mind that in retirement, we don't want to stop doing certain things. We want to still be able to give generously. You don't want to get to retirement and then oh, all of a sudden you stop giving to your local church and all these things. So we need to think through those issues, uh, make sure we have enough so we can continue to live generously even in retirement. Um, so it's but not a black and white Answer in one sense. So supposing you get to those middle years and retirement is in sight and you recognise there's saving and investment that become quite important for me at this mm. time. And so uh, the thought that you've got to stash some of that away, uh, don't give it all away, mm. uh, know when to be generous, know when to hold back. Mm. Uh, this is a challenging thing for people. So yes. we're determining how much you're going to need to save and will mm. my investments actually grow uh, compounding to a time when uh, they're going to actually be worth something. 
Yeah, so there's two parts. I think firstly is the math side of it in the sense you need to, I say to people, what you want to do is work out what does your lifestyle cost you? How much does it actually cost? And you can do that using a budget or you can use it just using you know statistical averages. But once you know how much you're going to spend, what life costs you, you can then work out, well, and you can just do this. And I'd encourage listeners just to jump on Google and Google retirement calculator. And then you can work out how much you need. So if you said, right, I want to retire at 67 whatever, or 70, whatever the age is, how much do I actually need when I get there? And once you know that figure, so you've got to know your number is what I say. Once you do that, you can then work out how much do I need to save in order to get to that number. So that's been very practical because you have a sense of whether it's realistic or not. Because a lot of people, they don't really know how much they need and therefore they don't know how much they need to save. But then it comes back to the spiritual element, which is what you were sort of covering before. And that's the tension. And I think the tension as a believer is what do I save for myself for the future and what do I give now to fund the kingdom? And that's a tension I think you you always live with. Obviously, we want to be more and more generous over time, particularly as we mature as a believer. But then there's the responsibility to provide for our families and, and also uh, to provide for our, our retirement when we cease work. And so it's a tension I think you always live with because the devil wants to take you away and make you spend it all on yourself. So. Yeah. And, of course, you could be in the thought that, well, if everything remains uniform, mm. then the calculator yeah. might be right. But if everything doesn't remain uniform, because yeah. uh, last year you might not have been able to anticipate that ah, yeah. interest rates would be rising, as we're seeing now, that if you're a renter and you don't own a home, uh, your rent might be going up, yeah. you know, $150 a week. Uh, a lot of people are faced with that, aren't they? Well, absolutely. Well, actually, you've covered one of the great uh, frustrations of financial advisors. So when... <laughs> When we do financial plans for, for clients, what we do is we do projections. And the problem with projections is they're linear. So, you know, it looks like a nice straight line of, of increase, but the reality is the world doesn't look like that at all. You know, no one would have predicted COVID three or four years ago. Likewise, you don't know when the next stock market crash is going to be. And if a stock market crash occurred just when you retired, then that can have a fairly significant impact on your retirement savings and the durability of your capital. So it's a, it's a very big issue. And so you do need to allow for that. But that also comes into then how do you manage the money? So how do you steward in a way where you're controlling the level of risk? So just just for listeners, one of the things that we always say to people when they're retired, normally if you're not retired, we say have you know six months worth of reserves. But when you're retired, we say you want to have roughly two years worth of cash reserves. That way, if there is an you know, like what we're witnessing now across Australia, you know, house prices are falling. Uh, you've got the stock market's very, it's, it's become more volatile. So you'd expect that there's a risk of crash. So if those things to a, do occur, that they don't actually impact you, you can just ride it out. So that comes down to how you steward the capital. So it's not just a case of, do I have enough? It's also, how do I steward it well to, to manage the risks through that, you know, 10, 20, 30 year retirement? It's a challenge. And Alex, I imagine that you need to look at your investments uh, growing, mm-hmm. uh, compounded interest or uh, your interests, are, your uh, your uh, investments are growing, whether it's uh, dividends or however that grows. Yep. Uh, but there's this other end too, and that is not letting too much escape by way of taxation. Now, mm. this is an interesting one because the uh, difference between uh, avoiding tax or just minimising tax, mm. uh, there's been all sorts of controversies over that through the years. And as Christians, we want to take a good ethical place in sure. all of that. But uh, what about tax efficiencies in the sorts of things you're looking towards retirement with? Mm. Well, there's two key issues you covered there. One was, as you said at the start, was the growth. But I'll just address that quickly because that's very important. 
philosophically, what we say to uh, you know clients is you want to have a growing income stream in retirement because inflation, you know, inflation at the moment is six percent. So income is not necessarily keeping up with that. So if you think about dividends, you want to buy companies where the dividends grow, or if you own an investment property, you need the rent to keep going up every year in order for you to maintain the purchasing power of your income. So that's very critical. So that's the first part. Um, The second part, which is you identified correctly, is the taxation part. Now, this is where it's, uh, you know, the biblical model is very clear, you know, give to Caesar unto what is Caesar's. And so we have to... Uh, all that means, I think, is you have to be very honest and declare your taxes uh, as uh, as you're required to do so. That doesn't mean, however, you can't structure your affairs tax effectively. And I would say that would be a good steward. You don't want to pay more tax than is necessary. Now, in Australia, we have this fabulous system, which you know I've talked about before, superannuation. And what a lot of people don't realise is that in retirement, it's virtually tax-free. The, the, the capital is invested tax-free once you're in that what we call pension phase, but also the income that you receive is also tax-free once you're over 60. So it's enormously tax-effective, and that's a perfectly legal way of stewarding your capital. Um, the, 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 where, I get, where I think Christians have got to be careful is they're not trying to do things like not disclosing things, like not disclosing their income, all those kind of things, which some people try and do, you know, to maximise Centrelink and all these kind of things. You don't want to be going down that path, you know. Uh, to me, you've got to have a, a very clear conscience. And the Bible says you've got to do what's right in the eyes of God, but you've also got to do what's right in the eyes of man. So it's very, very important to do that. Alex, let me in on some of the biggest mistakes that you might have seen various people make over the years. Can we learn from the mistakes Absolutely. that others have made? What are the biggest mistakes if you're planning retirement? Well, look, one of the big ones is because um, many people obviously live in cities, they work work in the city, and they get to retirement they may or may not have enough capital. And also, they often want a tree change. And so they often sell the family home, you know, in a Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, and then they move down the coast or up the coast. And so they move to uh, an area where they're away from family, and it may give them a bit more capital because they've sold a more expensive house and bought a cheaper one. But they're also, all of a sudden, they're away from family. They're away from the church that they, they knew and loved. They're away from potentially good good care and hospital care. And so I always warn people to be very careful before selling the family home in retirement and moving away. You know, the common one in Sydney is you sell your Sydney home and you move up to Coffs Harbour. Now, that's a long way away for your family to come and visit you. So you've got to be very, very careful about those kind of decisions because it has a profound long-term impact on your on your joy and, of course, spiritually being near, you know, Christians and, and Christian churches that you love. That's, that's a, a really big one. The other big one is really, and this is probably the most common, is people just leave it too late. As I think I said earlier, the average age people come and see financial advisors is probably around 55. If they got some of the skills and learn, they don't have to go and see an advisor every year, but if they got some of those skills early on when they're sort of 25, 35, of course at that age no one's thinking about retirement. But if you've got that sort of basic building blocks in place, it sets you up. Uh, you know, for, for the future. But leaving it too late is a big issue. And that's probably becoming more of a challenge because people often get into the housing market later. And of course, these days, because prices are so high, they're taking on more debt. Often paying off the family home now is getting delayed and therefore they're not focusing on superannuation and other things as much. Or they're treating the family home as their retirement savings. So they might have buy the large house, have a huge debt, and then they want to sell the house when they get to retirement downsize and use the money for retirement. So there's all sorts of things going on out there. But the main message I think there is start early. 
the earlier you can start, the better. Don't don't obsess about it. But just have that basic, um, you know, setting some aside for the future. Good to start early. And uh, given that we've had a tough, uh, for some, a tough couple of years, two or three years uh, mm. since uh, COVID hit, uh, a lot of business people mm. have found it very, very difficult. And you're back to square one. It's mm. almost like uh, we had a, a bit of a, a projection towards good things in retirement. Mm. Uh, somehow or other crisis has eaten that away. We feel like we're back to square one. Uh, others who might even be in the you know hand-to-mouth uh, survival situation are just getting by on what they're earning mm. and thinking, uh, how can I start? Mm. Uh, what how should I start? What mm. about uh, what about this other end where there's no family home that's being paid off, mm. uh, and you, you're thinking about retirement, about just getting some sort of a nest egg in place? Mm. Well, look, there's a couple of th- things I guess I would say as uh, as tips for people who are thinking about that. So the starting point is to really know what your target is. Where am, where am I? Where do I need to get to? So what age do I see myself ceasing work? And that may be, and this is where I think we need to rethink the models. Don't just think I have to retire as soon as I hit a certain age. You you might be in a job you love, and if you're healthy, keep keep doing it as long as, as long as you possibly can. If you feel that's where God wants you to do, then keep doing it. Likewise, if you're a small business, like the classic thing is doctors and lawyers, often they'll work close to their 80s because they can just work two or three days a week and, and just lower it. So there's all those sort of things. So first thing is, where, where do I really want to go? Where, how do I, what do I need to get to? And what age do I see myself having to cease employment and become reliant on it? Because once you know that, you can then work backwards and say, right, well, how much do I need to save? How much do I need to set aside? Okay, I'm trying to, um, you know, I've paid off my home, if, if that's the situation. How much do I need to actually save and set aside every month to put, to, put towards it? And I say to people, try and automate this process. Once you know the numbers, you can just try and automate it. You shouldn't be sitting around thinking about money every time you wake up in the morning. It should be something that can be largely automated. So that happens automatically and the savings are, you know, just going into boosting your, boosting your wealth and so forth. And, and then the, the final thing is buying quality, buy things that are going to last and endure because we are, I think our Western world is at a turning point. Uh, you know, we've had this amazing prosperity over the last sort of 30 years as interest rates have gone from, those might remember, 18% down to mm-hmm. 2%. Now that's reversing and uh, and there's also more geopolitical tension around the world. I think uh, we're heading to a more challenging season, so it just needs to be thought through much better better planning and more discipline uh, as we go forward um, because it is going to get more challenging for people, I think, as rates rise. So that's self-funded retirees, probably the ideal, isn't it? It's the Mm. gold standard. Yes, if you can do that, if you're on a trajectory towards it, uh, then there's the others at the other end are going to be really struggling. Mm. But uh, you did say a little early in the conversation, uh, there'll be some who'll be, you know, you'll be, having some level of social security that goes Correct. along with your nest egg. So Correct. any special things to know around uh, special considerations so far as social security goes? Yes, yeah, so the big thing is when are you eligible? So for most people, the age pension kicks in around 67. And the way it works is there's two main tests that the government applies. So they apply a thing called the assets test and a thing called the income test. They also look at whether you own your own home or not and whether you're single or married. So there's a couple of the variables that they look at. Once they do that, they'll then determine based on your level of assets. So family home is, is excluded, but based on your other assets like superannuation and money in the bank, etc., that will determine how much pension you get, whether it's a part pension or whether it's a, a full pension. 
so that's the, the assets test. The same thing applies to income. So whether you're getting income from you know an investment property or interest on the bank, all of those things will go into the mix to determine uh, how the income test is going to affect your pension. Then what the government does is they then apply and say whichever test gives you the lower result will determine what your what your pension is. Um, but there's some traps here. You've got to be careful. One of the things that used to happen is people used to give away their assets to their kids, thinking, oh, that'll give me a higher pension. But what Centrelink does, they use this thing called deeming, where they, if you give money away, you'll deem to still own it. And they'll deem a certain amount of income that you've supposedly earned, and they will then reduce your pension accordingly. So you've got to be very careful. I always say to people with these things, just get advice. Talk to people with a bit of experience, a bit of wisdom. Talk to Centrelink themselves because it is quite a complex space. Um, some people I know find that a bit frustrating to go and, you know, queue up and do that sort of thing, but it's well worth having it so you understand the system. I think the Christian responsibility with these things is always to do your research, do your homework, be diligent, uh, and try and learn how these things work. But don't be afraid to get advice, as Proverbs tells us to do. Get advice, talk to many counsellors. Perhaps lots more to talk about on the issue, and we'll come back to this some weeks down the track, no doubt. Mm. Uh, but the takeaway today, uh, when we talk about uh, what you're ought to get in place if you don't have some sort of a plan mm. uh, a quick uh, because we won't run out of time but what sort of things would you get in place today mm. if you've not given much thought to retirement but all of a sudden you have this uh, light bulb moment oh yeah. it's not far away yeah. the biggest thing i'd say to listeners is know your numbers okay it's very easy these days thanks to you know google you can go and jump online look at a retirement calculator key in your age key in your expected retirement age uh, and work out roughly what you need to, to live off, which you can do using budgets and also, as I say, rules of thumb, and work out what your numbers are. So work out where do I need to get to and then how much do I need to save to get there. So once you know that, you're putting yourself... Because the first question I often ask people when they come into my office is, how much do you need? How much do you need to live off? And they, they look at you blankly because they don't know how much they spend. Hmm. And so knowing your numbers is a great place to start. It's not complicated, but just get online and do, do some basic calculations find a retirement calculator exactly. <laughs> exactly is there one on your website ah i believe there probably is yes under resources go check it out <laughs> all right well uh you can connect with alex cook he's the founder of wealth with purpose the website is wealthwithpurpose.com and we'll often say lots of good free resources free ebooks the my toolkit free videos, podcast content, and keep an eye out for that retirement calculator. You can also follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. There is an Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email for special questions that we'll address on this segment each Tuesday. Alex Cook, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts once again with us on 2020. 